Was it fun? Did you have fun? It's a question that we often ask. Was it good? Did you like it? How was it? Did you enjoy it? Was, was that thing entertaining? Would you recommend it? Is it worth it? Is that a way that we should spend our time? Yes, these are questions that seem to dominate our days. I'd venture to say they are among the questions that these days we most often ask. And as such, they are questions then that thereby expose our principal preoccupations. Was it fun? Was it good? Did you enjoy it? I've been thinking about this a lot lately, ever since I noticed something that I've asked as a matter of course ever since my kids were old enough to go to preschool. Picking them up each afternoon, initiating conversation with them so as to learn about their day, I have always begun with, did you have fun? Did you have fun? For years I've done this. Now, I obviously have wanted to know more than whether they've had fun, but this has always, without my even thinking about it, been my initial question to them. Did you have fun? It was the sociologist Max Weber who famously wrote that we live now in a disenchanted age, an age, that is, in which the world and our lives and the things we encounter and the things we do feel disconnected from any ultimate significance, from any weightiness of being, from any sense of transcendent charge. Instead, we experience it more as the cultural critic Neil Postman famously put it, that Due to our preoccupation with the trivial, with endless entertainment and distraction, we are, quote, a people on the verge of amusing ourselves to death. My kids go off to learn the rudiments of reading and writing and the things that will, good Lord willing, enable them to be responsible adults and productive citizens, and informed individuals, and engaged human beings. And I ask them, did you have fun? How weighty are your thoughts, O God, exclaims the psalmist. How vast is the sum of them. That was thousands and thousands of years ago that the psalmist reflected in wonder at the weightiness of the things that preoccupy Creator God. And all these years later, I can't think of a greater contrast between what the psalmist perceived about God then and what I perceive about so many of us as 21st century Christians. At least what I perceive about so many of us who are relatively comfortable 21st century Christians or at least what I perceive about myself. Yes, if the psalmist reflected then in wonder on how weighty are the thoughts of God, 
I lately find myself reflecting on how shallow and how trivial are the thoughts of humankind. Just the other day while driving to church for work, NPR's morning edition, amid reporting on the conflict in Gaza, where the death toll is now 24,000 and where there appears to be no end of warring in sight, Between this and reporting on a far-ranging legal case that is about to go before the Supreme Court that will have considerable far-reaching implications no matter what gets decided, amid this reporting, Morning Edition paused to spend several minutes talking about the 75th Primetime Emmy Awards. The Emmy Awards. I could go on all day with examples of this kind of thing, of course with how we care more about whether our politicians wear lifts in their boots than we do with the substance of their policies. And where we care more about the latest new cooking show on Netflix than we do on whether the millions of people starving around the world will actually get something to eat. And where we treat phenomena like the Taylor Swift Eras Tour or the release of the new Drake album like they're the third Great Awakening. Did you have fun? Was it good? Did you like it? Yes, how weighty are your thoughts, O God. And how trivial, meanwhile, are our own. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, chapter 3 of the Old Testament book, 1 Samuel begins. But the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. In a disenchanted age, In an age of triviality wherein the air we breathe is laden with social media and outraged journalism. And wherein the sustenance we consume is saturated with preservatives like adventure tourism and Amazon Prime. In such an age, is it not fair to say that the word of the Lord is rare in these days as well? How often do we feel like we've been encountered in our day-to-day living by Creator God? Not by some fuzzy spirituality, not by some vague world soul. No, how often do we feel we've been encountered by the very God who spoke this world into being? In my experience, very rarely indeed. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, at that time, he was lying down in his room and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord. And then the Lord called out, Samuel, Samuel. Here I am, Samuel yelled, running to Eli. Here I am, for you called to me. But Eli responded, I did not call to you. And so confused, Eli went back into the temple and lay back down. Samuel, Samuel, the Lord again called. And again Samuel jumped up and ran to Eli saying, here I am. 
But again, Eli responded, son, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, the narrative then says, explaining why Samuel could not yet perceive the source of the call. And so, the narrative continues, Samuel went back into the temple and again he lay back down. Samuel, Samuel, the Lord called once more, this time being the third such call. And once more Samuel went to Eli and once more he said, Here I am, for you called me. This time, the text says, Eli suddenly perceived what was happening, perceived that Samuel was being summoned by Creator God. And so Eli said, it is the Lord calling you. Go lie down. And if he should call you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And here verbatim is how this passage ends. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let me tell you a true and terribly shameful story. Just this week, Tuesday to be precise, I was heading to pick up Wit and Bennett from preschool And just as I was about to cross into the thoroughfare that leads into the school parking lot, a homeless man pushing a shopping cart filled with all of his worldly belongings entered that thoroughfare in front of me. Now this was one of those busted down shopping carts, the ones with a faulty wheel or two, the ones that drag across the floor rather than roll, the ones that for relatively comfortable people like us, are but an incredible nuisance along the way to our grocery shopping. Well, here was this man with his overly full, clearly faulty-wheeled grocery cart, and here he was clearly in my way. And then to compound the inconvenience for me, he was clearly an older gentleman and was therefore moving at a slow, slightly hunched over pace. And thus, here I was having to wait for this man to push himself and his cart across the street so that I could continue on my way. This was a real irritation to me in the moment, to have to wait an extra 90 seconds or so to get to where I was going. And I was already late, so my irritation was only further magnified. And so, do you know what I did? And I swear this is all 100% true. I instinctively turned up the Conan O'Brien podcast I was listening to, in which Conan was interviewing Albert Brooks and Rob Reiner. And I thought to myself how glad I was to have something like this to entertain me while I waited for this man to move out of my way. A homeless, hungry, hurting man before me. A cranked up podcast to help me cope with the inconvenience. How weighty are your thoughts, O God? And how shallow and how shameful 
on my own. Yes, ours is a decadent society. An entertainment society. A self-absorbed, consumeristic society. This is not just subjective opinion. This is objective fact. Here's the full quote from critic Neil Postman that I referenced part of earlier. It's on your order of worship if you'd like to read along. Our politics, religion, news, athletics education, and commerce have been transformed into congenial adjuncts of show business, largely without protest or even much notice. The result is that we are a people on the verge of amusing ourselves to death. He said that in 1985. As the kids these days might say, where's the lie? Here's why I bring this all up this morning. If it be true that our lives feel thinner and less charged with transcendent wonder than they once did, which it is. And if it be true that we respond to this aching absence by seeking out things to distract us and by looking for things to consume, which it also is. Then if so... Is it not possible that Creator God is indeed still speaking to us, is indeed still summoning us, but that we simply cannot hear God's voice because we are too busy amusing ourselves to death? Twice Samuel heard a call, and twice he confused the call as having come from Eli, and twice Eli failed to perceive what was really going on. But then finally on the third time Samuel heard the call, Eli perceived what was happening. That there in a time when the word of the Lord was rare, God was indeed speaking to Samuel. And so Eli said to the boy, should you hear the call again, simply say, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. And Samuel did. Dear family, it may seem to us that the word of the Lord is rare in these days and that visions of God are not widespread. But that is only because we, like Samuel and Eli, do not perceive the word as it is speaking and appearing to us. For the word of God speaks and appears in weighty forms. But we are busy distracting ourselves in all manner of trivialities. Yes, in order to re-experience an enchanted life. In order to hear the word of the Lord. In order to see a widespread vision. We must join our creator in thinking weighty thoughts. And must leave behind these deadly amusements that so easily beset us. In a world where this very day 900 million people are starving, 
And two billion are homeless. And two billion are thirsty. And 28 million are subject to human trafficking. And 50 million are living in slavery. In such a world, these are the weighty things on the mind and the heart and the agenda of Creator God. Not which new show is most binge-worthy. And which politician looks best in televised debates. And which new restaurant is the one that we should try next? Yes, God is concerned with the question of what are we doing for the least of these? Not with the question, did you have fun? Wish last Tuesday I had been listening more carefully. I wish last Tuesday I had heard what weighty words God was trying to speak to me. I wish I had thought to turn down my podcast and to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But instead I turned up my podcast and was therefore oblivious to anything God might have been trying to say. It's shameful. I'm ashamed. As God is still speaking, dear family, the word of the Lord is not rare in these days. We only think it is. Would that we'd turn from our distractions and our amusements and attune ourselves to the weightier things of this world and we'd begin to hear God's call more clearly and we'd begin to live and move and have our being in a once more enchanted world. So speak, Lord, we pray, for your servants are listening. Yes, speak, Lord. Speak to us this day of your weighty, holy thoughts. And all God's people said,